Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We will help you get through your workday faster. Outkick 360 rolls on. We do that every day, but especially this week. With all the news and notes from SEC Media Days, Outkick.com has you covered. And if you miss part of the show, you're missing out on the fabric of what's going on on Radio Row and beyond. Plenty of guests and analysis all week long. We're here in Nashville, 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. In Atlanta is Glenn Gilbo and Trey Wallace. We spoke to Trey earlier. We say hello with Glenn now from Outkick.com. They have everything locked and loaded for you in regards to SEC coverage. Glenn, hope you're doing well, man. Good to see you. Good, good. It's been a busy day. It's been a crazy day, but uh, this is always a fun event. Yeah, I mean, the first guy up, other than Sankey, of course, is Brian Kelly. You certainly know LSU football very well. Covered it for more than 25 years. And uh, there you sit. You're asking him about Notre Dame, and I'll get to that in a moment. But just as we take a look at Brian Kelly's first podium appearance, and he's the first coach up, what did you think of of the tone he set and how he handled some of the questions about quarterback, about his southern, southern accent, and everything in between? Well, first off, I don't like when guys wear suits and sh- tennis shoes. Just uh, doesn't work. Oh, was he in tennis for shoes? Me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That everybody does that now. The players started doing years ago. You just wear your wear loafers and some I, dress shoes, man. I tend to yeah, agree. agree. You know, I mean, just like you wouldn't wear dress shoes with shorts and white socks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wear tennis shoes with dress socks and a suit. Okay. All right. No, I thought Kelly was pretty good. You know, Kelly's smooth. He's a, he's a businessman, as as his players say. Uh, you know, nothing really exciting, but. Uh, he answered questions. I thought he was going to dodge my question about Notre Dame, and he started to a little bit when he was talking about how he's been working on his slice and he's more worried about other things. But he gave a good answer, you know, and I, I think he's absolutely right, too. And he would know, you know, Notre Dame is going to be good whether they go independent or they go Big Ten. And, and uh, you know, word is right now that NBC is, is going to pay them $75 million a year to extend their contract if they stay independent. That that contract was at fifteen million a year, but um, that's that's going to be interesting. Um, I still think they are eventually going to join a conference for the next couple of years, but but they're going to be financially pretty well off regardless of what they do. I, I tend to agree. And, you know, seventy five sounds a bit low. You know, if I'm the Irish, I'm Swarbrick. I'm going back and saying, hey, Big Ten's about to get a hundred a year, so let's let's up that deal. Uh, the, the the fabric uh, beneath the surface for, for the Irish will be the playoff and the future of that. And if if the Big Ten and the SEC, going to what Sankey was referencing today, if they come up with some formula and, and how you're going to get in as an at-large, if you need to be a member of a conference, for instance, if they want to flex that, 
um, in whatever's about to happen down the road here as, as conference expansion happens, that could force Notre Dame to make a decision on a conference. And if I'm the ACC, I'm doing everything possible to try to woo them to the East Coast. Well, I just think Notre Dame is too big for the Big Ten or the SEC or the college football playoff to try to force I agree, their hands. I agree. I agree with you. But if, if, if to me, that's the only card you can play to try to get them to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wrote a couple of weeks ago, you know, if Notre Dame, I mean, they've been making money a long time and they had their own TV network, NBC, and but, you know, they don't win any championships. They haven't won one since 1988. Um, I think if they want to compete for national championships, the best thing for them to do would be to go to the SEC because what better way to recruit SEC-type players and players from the SEC states than to be an SEC team? And they and they probably need to relax some of their uh, academic requirements. So they they might not have to do that that much if they if they join the league. They they could be kind of that, that they could use that to their advantage, like Vanderbilt does in baseball, like Stanford does in in football and baseball. But um, you know that would be so bold and so unexpected if if Notre Dame went to the SEC and and wow, well, just think what that would do for the SEC. I mean that 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 kind of name recognition. I mean even even when Notre Dame is average, you know they they're just an iconic name and and uniform, and it's it's better than adding you know South Carolina and. And, and Missouri and Arkansas, you know, some of the, some of the more recent additions to the, to the SEC. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, the reason Kelly left Notre Dame was because he didn't think he could win a national championship there. And, uh, and wouldn't it be funny if all of a sudden he's playing Notre Dame in league games? In your mind, uh, you know, if you were divvying up percentage chance, what would you give uh, chances for SEC, Big Ten, ACC to ultimately land Notre Dame? I think the Big Ten has a 60% chance of, of, of landing them. The, the problem at Notre Dame is no matter how much, you know, things kind of change and get progressive and, and young people and, and some people want something to happen. The, the old guard at Notre Dame is still pretty powerful. So that's why I just say 60, you know, there's still a lot of people that, that control Notre Dame or have an impact that, that are living in the old school world. And they think they're too good for a conference. So there's still a strong chance they'll stay independent. Glenn Gilbo, our guest outkick.com is where you can read his work along with Trey uh, throughout the entire week, uh, boots on the ground and an ear to the ground on all the news and breaking news that happens. Go to outkick.com and right here on 360. Uh, quarterback situation. That's where we should start for LSU and moving forward now with, with Kelly on the field. They've got the six-year quarterback in Miles Brennan. He hasn't played since 2020. Uh, Jaden Daniels is now there. He's certainly the most mobile of the four-pack that they have, and it's a it's a legitimate four-pack. They, they have Nussmeyer, uh, who brings a little bit of bravado to the position, and they have Walker Howard, and I'm not sure how much he factors in. I know, Glenn, you can tell us, but he's a five-star recruit that's coming in. Do you believe do you believe the situation is truly a four quarterback race right now at, coming off a of spring where they're just trying to install their offense? You know, it's amazing that I, I I would have thought one of them would have transferred after the spring game. But that illustrates just how wide open it is or or, or how 
average it is or how bad it is because none of the four you can really count on. I mean, I mean, right now on paper, Miles Brennan's played three games that wasn't mop-up duty. That was two years ago. He lost two of them. He put up good numbers. Um, Jaden Daniels just has some accuracy issues that he showed during spring. Garrett Nussmeyer, I think, might be your best bet. He, he's been erratic, though. So, you know, there's there's nobody you can count on, and the, and the other and the four quarterbacks know that. That's that's why they still they're still there because they know that nobody's any good. And Jaden Daniels just got there, so he's not going to transfer. But you know, if ever if Walker Howard was was truly if he's truly a five star, this would be the year for him to win the job. You know, I mean, this is you, you got a new coach. They're not going to be that good. They're going to win about eight games. This is when you you play a freshman quarterback or at least the sophomore quarterback, because then you you got the same guy the next two or three years and you're that much better. To me, it would be a waste to play Brennan because he's gone after next year and then you're back to square one. So it, it's a mess. I, I think the quarterback position at LSU is really a mess. Yeah, there's some talent there, but but none of it has played much in significant games. So I don't know what's going to happen there. And, and really, it's just one of many question marks uh, around the LSU team. Daniels, you mentioned his accuracy. He's far more mobile than the other guys. And for that sure. reason, for that reason, are we likely to see some type of quarterback rotation where it's one of the three and then there's Daniels who's going to not start but be a part of the offense? Well, Brian Kelly hates the two quarterback system, but but he may have to reluctantly do that. And I I think, uh, you know, if Brandon's going to be the first starter, I believe, against Florida State, and if he does well enough to to keep the job, I think you you'll see Jaden Daniels mixed in, short yarded situations, so forth here and there, maybe a hot hand if Miles uh, struggles, uh, and I think you could see Jaden in that role too. If if Miles really struggles and gets benched, and then they try Nussmeyer, um, but um, you know he didn't. Uh, Brian Kelly didn't really didn't enjoy his two quarterback systems at Notre Dame, and he he sighed heavily when we asked him about that. I remember back at the spring game. So you know, again, it's just it, it's just kind of a mess the the quarterback position at LSU. I, I'm intrigued by what what you say about Walker Howard because you're right. I mean, if you're going to lose year one's the year to do it and blame it on who you're replacing. Um, how much of not starting the true freshman would come down to the offensive line and the, the ability to protect him? Yeah, that that's part of it. Cause that's a weakness. I mean, the offensive line is, is not that much better than it was last year. If it's not worse. I mean, it was an okay line. The second half of the season, it was terrible. First half, you know, they, they've got some new bodies from the portal, but, Guys from the portal aren't necessarily good. You know, they're backups, really. Most <laughs> right. of them are. Um, so, you know, but people get excited with the portal. Oh, we got guys in the portal. Well, they might not be any good. So we'll see. But, but yeah, you know, that part, that might be part of the big reason why they're not going to play Walker much this year because they, maybe they don't want to ruin him, you know, on a, on kind of a bad team in his, in his first year. You know, so then, then you might kind of hurt him though that philosophy is kind of getting old because, because nowadays, you know, they throw the guy out there, but, um, right. but, but because of the numbers and they don't have to play him, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll try to uh, keep him on the uh, back burner unless, unless something happens. But, um, 
you know, um, I just don't, I don't see great play coming out of the quarterback position this year. Um, they could be okay because they do have some good receivers. They have some very good receivers. That's, that's the strength of the offense. But I was going to ask handicapped that. by the O-line. How's the, how's the supporting cast for that? Uh, how's John Emery coming off these academic issues and, and talk through the receivers who are always good at LSU? Yeah, well, Bouti um, is an excellent receiver, uh, and there's several others that are – you know, coming into their sophomore year from, from last year that are, that are very talented, but you might not be able to see that because of the offensive line, but, but they are there and the running back position, you know, John Emery, we've, we've been hearing about him for years, but he's never quite shown anything. Uh, and they, they have some portal players there, but again, that's a, that's a big question mark. Uh, if LSU is to win eight or nine games this year, it's going to be because the defense uh, handles the games and 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 is able to keep the offense in it because they are going to have a, a good defensive line. They're going to have decent linebackers, but the secondary is a question mark again with more people from the transfer portal who we don't know about because they lost Eli Ricks to Alabama, who by the way might not even start at Alabama. But um, you know, I, I think. If Brian Kelly wins eight games with this team, I think he might be uh, eligible. He might be a candidate for SEC Coach of the Year. Well, you mentioned Bootsy. He's got the the number seven, right? They hand that out to the the top player on the the on the team that exemplifies leadership. And I think they also try to do that for an in-state guy, if I'm not mistaken, Glenn. Uh, and that that was a um, that was a big point of emphasis today in listening to to Kelly speak. Where are they? in regards to in-state recruiting. Uh, normally, if you're a top talent, it is tough to go into Louisiana if LSU wants them and get the player to leave the state. Um, and, you know, last I saw, the top 12 or so listed players are not committed currently to LSU in the near future, and six of them are undecided, so maybe I shouldn't count them, but I will. Um, today seemed like a, an emphasis from Kelly on we're going to make sure that the players in our state know that we're going to make them a priority. Well, you know, the problem is, though, that the players aren't making LSU a priority, which is understandable. I mean, they went five and five two years ago, and they went six and seven last year, and that's a bad 11 and 12, too. I mean, they look bad in some of those games. And really, most of the commitments for Kelly's class of 2023 are from out of state. You know, he signed, yeah. he got commitments from nine guys since July 1st, uh, and most of those are out of state. So I think that's a good strategy because, the, you know, they, the, the, you got to understand that the, some of the in-state people are, are going to be looking elsewhere. So, and Brian Kelly comes from the Midwest, and, and Louisiana doesn't have good offensive linemen uh, almost all the time. So it's good that he's, he's uh, establishing himself out of state and, and you, and he's going to have to recruit nationally, uh, you know, until he can get the state back, I think, but it looks like he's got the makings of a, of a good class. And, uh, I mean, I think Brian Kelly was a, was a great hire, but I don't think you're going to see LSU in the picture as a contender for, uh, in the sec or for the playoffs until 2024 at, at the earliest possible 2025. Business picks up tomorrow morning. Nick Saban's the first coach to speak on, on the Tuesday run-through. I think he goes around 9 a.m., if I'm not mistaken, at the podium that is directly behind you. 
What do you expect the message to be from Nick Saban uh, as he gives the address, not just of the Alabama program, but we know where the questions are going to fall. They're going to, there's going to be Jimbo questions, but beyond that, there will be NIL questions. And that's something the commissioner didn't shy away from today. Kiffin certainly never shies away from the topic. Brian Kelly was discussing NIL and was certainly pointing to the fact that no one's outspending them to his knowledge. Where do you think Saban comes down on that tomorrow? Well, nobody's outspending Alabama. <laughs> tell you that. <laughs> and if and if they do, Nick's going to rip them at a uh, at a booster meeting. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> like Jimbo, and, and and since then, Jimbo's got like. Uh, He's got like no. He's got one commitment since April for his next <laughs> class, so he's he must be scared. He, yeah. he doesn't want to get any recruits. Uh, but uh, no, seriously, um, I think I'm really interested in in hearing what Nick says about uh, conference realignment. What he thinks of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. He used to be in the Big Ten. What he thinks of Notre Dame might do. What he thinks the SEC might do. He's he's very well informed on. Uh, topics outside of his team and he kind of likes talking about those things because he doesn't always like talking about his team uh and you know he was always for a nine-game schedule going way back and you know if they're going to add go up to 16 18 teams they got to look at a 10-game schedule um but uh other than that nick's in a perfect spot because he kind of likes the fact that he hasn't he didn't win the national championship last year so now he can come back Whereas if he'd won the national championship last year, he'd be all worried that his team was overconfident, which that's his, <laughs> the biggest thing he hates is overconfident, which is funny because if he wouldn't win so many titles, they wouldn't be so overconfident. Man, I mean, just to consider the the storylines with all of that. I mean, it, it, what he's really going to hate is when the, the question is posed tomorrow about his thoughts on the SEC championship rematch between he and Kirby Smart, which we, <laughs> we know or, is which we know Or him happening. and Jimbo Fisher. Or, or him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Let's mention that too. We we've already circled that October date. Yeah, well, he'll be asked about uh, Jimbo Fisher, but really, they they covered that well at the uh, spring meetings in Destin, and and you know, oh by the way, he also has a big game early in the season against Texas, which is coming into the league. That's that's going to be a huge game in, in Austin, and uh, yeah, he, he'll have to talk about Georgia. Um, you know, he has been getting beat by uh, people. You know. Dabo Sweeney beat him for a while and, and then Jimbo and then now Kirby, you know, so he's, he's, he's starting to, you know, the fastest gun in the West has, has been beaten a couple of times, but he's always come back, you know, and, and uh, my money's on him to come back this year and, and win it all because he really does return a great team, particularly uh, with, with Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Uh, and, and Jimbo will be up my, I mentioned earlier in the show, Nick's got the advantage because Jimbo's going to be asked questions based on whatever Nick Saban says or doesn't say about him. So Saban controls the news for the presser against Jimbo Fisher there later in the Even week. Even when he's not here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, beyond those two, though, Glenn, who, which coach are you most looking forward to hearing from? Where's the anticipation lie for you? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, we've already had Lane... Too, I yeah. would say Mike Leach, Mike Leach for sure. You know, because Kirby's a great coach, but he, he's he's usually not. He doesn't say much. He's kind of dull during press conferences. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say Mike Leach is going to be the guy, and and uh, you know he's returning one of the best quarterbacks in the league too, and and Will Rogers, who is not going to be here, 
But uh, it's it's funny. Lane was asked about sharing the state of Mississippi with another great personality in Deion Sanders at Jackson State, and he said he said, "Wait a minute, we we, we got a third personality, Mike Leach." So I think uh, I think Mike Leach is kind of the uh, the the star of the SEC in a lot of ways. All those players take the podium today, or do they just? Uh waltz around to to all the individuals no they don't take the podium the uh they're on the side they're on a side podium they don't have the main microphone uh i think um they, they've only had a couple of players do that in in the past but the, the players are on the side um three players from from each team only the coaches are, are at the podium from what from what you heard of of the players today who who was the biggest uh success in terms of uh delivering the goods for the writers there well the uh, the lsu linebacker bj Agilari was uh he was pretty good in, in comparing uh ed ogeron the lsu's former coach to to brian kelly um you know brian kelly is a lot more organized and kind of by the book where coach o and he was very successful at it early on more flies by the seat of his pants and and is more more fluid and and over caffeinated if you will where where uh brian kelly is kind of uh you know the same thing every day kind of consistent much like saban really uh but bj drew a good comparison uh between those two uh but uh that was that was about it the uh you know there was no great player personality today i would say to compete with uh lane kiffin for example well just to compare personalities think about mike jones speaking of lsu glenn glenn gilbar our guest mike jones has played for three head coaches now but uh, he started at clemson uh if i'm not mistaken and uh then coach right. o and then so he's gone from dabo to coach o and now brian kelly i mean that is the total college football head coaching spectrum, spectrum. right there yeah Right, right. And, and you know, he's one of those transfers who really, and he came in before the portal, who kind of disappointed his, his, his first year. You know, a lot of the times those transfers, it, it takes them a while. Um, and uh, they, they expect a lot of them uh, this year. He didn't have quite, quite the year uh, last year. But um, he, uh, he made a point that uh, he couldn't understand what Coach O was saying. Most of the time uh, last year because of the accent, you know, Mike's not from Louisiana, uh, but even, even kids from Louisiana had trouble understanding coach O's accent. <laughs> uh, so, so that's a complete opposite because Brian Kelly, in, when he's not imitating uh, actors from the big easy, he, he's got the straight Midwestern, uh, no accent, like, uh, you know, like Johnny Carson. Well, uh, Paul brings up a good point about the the main podium. Uh, the uh, here's B.J. Ojolari's schedule as soon as he hits the ground. Uh, so today at noon he was with SEC Social. Uh, Twelve twenty he was with ESPN and SEC Network social media. For ten minutes after that he was with Sirius XM. Then he went to SEC Radio. Then CBS Digital. Then CBS Room Two and CBS Room One, the main podium room where Glenn is currently sitting above. Then he went to the electronic media room and chatted with some fans or something. And then at 2 o'clock, 2.05, he's with ESPN on their main set. I mean, that, that's they go through the car wash gauntlet. And that's just for the player. The coaches do a lot more. And for those that don't know, this is where they film a lot of those uh, marketing promos 
with the players holding out the football with the suit on, you know, as they go to break and they're showing different teams. This is the week in the rooms where they film all that mess and the guys go through the the car wash gauntlet for, so, for the TV. Yeah, networks. yeah. And Gilbo and, and Trey will be doing that later this week as well. They'll be dressing up and we know we With know suits Glenn and will shoes. have the dress shoes on. And uh but yeah, he'll he'll be doing that for it, Outkick. It, you know, I think that you you just explain why the players skip on the interviews after the uh, yeah. season starts because yeah. they're so tired of of doing so many interviews at at, at this thing. So uh, maybe it's good that they didn't bring all the quarterbacks. You know, Miles Brennan is not here for LSU. Will Rogers not here from Mississippi State. So you can talk to them uh, during the season. But yeah, it is it is a little much uh, for the players. You know, the coaches are used to it, but uh, a lot of these players have never been interviewed that much and i'm sure they don't think it's that much fun after a while you want to talk about baptism by fire if uh if brian kelly said hey we're gonna take all four quarterbacks and we're gonna privately <laughs> address and grade how they handle the media right. and just send them to the that'll, that'll count towards who wins glenn thank you as always man and we'll catch up tomorrow okay thank you guys Thanks. enjoyed it we'll be reading glenn's work at outkick.com lsu beat tweet on twitter uh, coming up, uh, speaking of uh, the the gauntlet, we've got one of the players uh, who will join us. Cedric Johnson, pass rusher for Ole Miss, is next up on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Tomorrow at SDC Media Days, Alabama, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. So you'll have Saban and then Leach. Okay. Mike Leach will, will uh, be at the podium morning and afternoon sessions. And then uh, you also have uh, Clark Lee uh, that will be after Saban and Beamer after Leach. Will people go to lunch during Clark Lee? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Clark, I mean, to his credit, I find him extremely interesting to talk ball with. Yeah. But I no, know exactly what you're know saying. It's Vanderbilt. And just like we know Alabama is finishing number one and Georgia's number one in their division, we know exactly where Vanderbilt is predicted to finish as well. Um, and you know the, the thing about – I would go in with, with Clark tomorrow 
would be on the topic of what Sankey brought up today, Paul, about how he had a very open and honest conversation with all the coaches, presidents, and ADs um, in separate, separately, but he specifically mentioned the coaches at the SEC spring meetings, the football coaches. And he said, we had the most interaction that we've ever had in that room since I've been a commissioner um, about where we're headed with the schedule and what's expected and where we need to be with NIL, the, the, what we like, what we don't like, and conference expand, like all, the, all of these ideas on the floor. And he said everybody came with great perspective on where they currently sit in the conference. And he started off, he started all that by saying, I, I stepped into the room and I love the way he phrased it. So give me a minute. Let me pull this up. He, he said he stepped into the room and, and he demanded that everyone was going to have a voice. Like it wasn't just going to be like four or five, but he was upset because someone had tweeted out or leaked out the seating chart yeah, of the yeah. room. Remember this? And he referenced that this morning. And he said, once I got over that, and I, I mentioned, he's like, I don't care where any of you are sitting. I want everyone here to have a voice. We meant nothing by the seating chart. We want everyone here to have a voice. And so I would bring up, in regards to Clark Lee, what they had to say in that meeting. Like that, that's intriguing to me. Where does Vanderbilt stack up with Alabama in regards to pulling the weight? And, and, and honestly, in one side of things, we know exactly what Alabama is bringing to the table that Vanderbilt isn't. On the other side of things, they, they can pull as much weight as they can in one vote, just like Alabama can. Well, I'd be curious... How much do they have to say? Exactly. Yeah, how much are you speaking up over some of the other coaches that everyone is here to see and hear from today? Yeah, and I don't think Clark Lee would hesitate no. to, to say something if he had something to say, but what does Vanderbilt have to say? Uh, uh, that'd be fascinating to find out. Well, and, and considering the, the lack of leadership at times in the past, I think they're in a much better spot right now still not much to to show from it in that regard um so he he's he went into the the details of what's expected of how they they the the landscape of college football is changing and while we can't go back to the past and nothing's going to be the same as it once was the way it is isn't the way it has to be that, that's what Sankey told his coaches. So he said, just because it's wide open, for instance, with NIL, doesn't mean it has to be that way. So help me help you before I go in front of Congress on the Hill. Help me help you set this up. What do you want to talk about? And apparently it was, it was fantastic. So uh, earlier today, uh, we had the chance to catch up with Cedric Johnson. He is pass rusher. For the Ole Miss Rebels, who now steps into a much larger role because one of the top producers now plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Ole Miss, the Rebels, one of the teams hitting Radio Row. Lane Kiffin's at the podium. His defensive end is Cedric Johnson. He joins us now on the show. Cedric, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Everything is great. I'm blessed to be here. The returning sack leader from, from last year's team. What responsibility comes with that as this Ole Miss group defensively tries 
to grow off of the the way things finished last year? Big run, big responsibility. Mostly for me, I feel I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself. I just want to have a, a a bigger year this year. So, um, taking do better than what Sam did. He's 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 a big inspiration for me. Obviously, he gave me the blueprint. So I just need to take that, tweak it to what I. Tweak it to see what Sam Williams, uh, for those who don't know, is now playing for the Cowboys. Uh, He set some records. He's very good on the edge as a second round pick. You're hoping to do bigger and better things. Absolutely. He's on me about it, too. So I got a lot of pressure. (laughs) So you guys uh, have a nice, deep defensive front, but a lot of newcomers. Obviously, you've got central people coming from Central Michigan, Georgia Tech, Auburn. Um, you're a junior who's been there from from the start. What's it like to try to get that group to gel in relatively short order in the days of the transfer portal as opposed to kind of having a group that grows up together in a program? I feel like it's been smooth because they they are coming in just ready to win. So and my coach, Coach Joyner, he's he's a big part of this, just making us a brotherhood, making us all brothers. So I, I invite them in. I mean, it's just more competition. Either honestly, they're just making me better. I'm making them better. So it's all for the better. Team wide is is it a a different deal? Uh, and sport wide, you feel like it's a different deal. That chemistry, uh, traditionally, you know, you come in as a freshman, you work your way up, and and classes are together. Now things are changing fast, and and Ole Miss is one of the schools that that's doing it transfer portal wise. Uh, you guys have, you know, a, a camp where a lot of guys are expected at a lot of positions to catch up fast, and you guys got to get to know each other in in a different way in a hurry. Right, right. I feel like we do we do things outside of football, like going to eat. Um, our coach is trying to get us put together events, like we go bowling and, and do things, things of that nature. So I think they do a lot, and we do a lot to try and come together as one and get to know everybody and just bring everybody in so we do form that brotherhood so everybody's comfortable and not make sure there's not any animosity between each Cedric other. Johnson, pass rusher for the Ole Miss Rebels, with us on Outkick 360. Cedric, what's the best thing about playing for Lane Kiffin? Um, I got to say it's trusting the players. I know y'all think he's crazy for going for it on fourth down at times, but that's just – that's just a big thing for us, and he even tells us that he 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 believes in us. He trusts in us. If they don't get the fourth down, he trusts in the defense to go get the stop. So that's and, a big thing for us. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the fourth down, and we we touched on that a lot last year uh, when you were you guys played Alabama. But the first you're coming off the first ten win season in Ole Miss history. I mean, you you guys did some big things last year, and the way the schedule sets up, the first seven games, all but two are in Oxford. You guys have a chance to get off to a very fast start. Yes, yes, indeed. That's what we're looking forward to also. But just not looking too far in the future, but just looking for the first game, then the next game, just taking it game by game. Get a sense of how things will work between Coach Crum and Coach Partridge uh, after after Coach Durkin left. How does kind of a co-defensive coordinator thing going to work for you guys? Uh, I think from what I'm seeing, it's been working pretty good so far. Um with CP coming in, um, for us, obviously, it's a good fit because he was already there. So just a natural step up for him and natural to, for us to just come around him because we already knew him. So we just really just already – it was just natural for us. It didn't not it didn't feel like it was a huge culture change or anything. And Crum coming in, I mean, he's a great guy. I love him. Dr. Johnson has been our guest. Enjoy the car wash that is SEC Media Days up and down Radio Row and beyond. Appreciate the time and have a safe flight back. Thank you. No problem. Thank you.
There's Cedric Johnson of the Ole Miss Rebels joining us on Outkick 360. That was from earlier today. And he, Outkick uh, 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. That is not from earlier today. Uh, this is. <laughs> no, uh, the, uh, they're playing back the Zoom, and for some reason, uh, Zoom is having issues. Uh, Cedric Johnson was cool, and um, I wish we had more time with him there because this you, you hit on it with him, Paul. The transfer portal has made the group deeper than what they were last year. But also, we really don't know what they look like. And we know how the defense played last year where they couldn't get stops. At times, they couldn't stop the run. At times, off the edge, they were getting pressure. And the case in point is, you know, one of their best players is now playing for the Cowboys. But beyond that, if they can find an extra stop or two each game along the way, they can repeat what they did last year. A lot more mystery to what a team like that's going to be with the transfer portal people uh, on opening day. But uh, obviously, uh, out of today, we can confirm one thing. Hutt is uh, really fascinated by Ole Miss and wants to see what they are going to look yeah, like. The, uh, yeah, Ole Miss being on Radio Row today is, is the, what's been on my mind. And uh, them actually accommodating us on some guests, too, uh, made me look up some stuff. But... Um, I, I want to hate them more than – I loved them last year. And, it, you know, I went, we were in Tuscaloosa, and he, Cedric brought up the fourth down attempts that Kiffin was going for, and the game was over at halftime. And they didn't measure up to the best of the West, but they finished second in the SEC West when it was all said and done. And for the first time, they won 10 games. I just – I look at their schedule, Paul, and I think, man, they, they're going to do it again, and this time I shouldn't be surprised – but I am because they they're not going to have Matt Corral. They're going to have uh, their their biggest producer um, at wide receiver is uh, Jonathan Mingo, who has his health has been a big issue. He's back in his senior year, but uh, again they they they've lost some offensive talent. They're patching up some issues on defense, but yet they they're probably right there with Arkansas. Again. So it bothers me that you can be in the great, big, bad SEC and have such an easy schedule? Well, the it's not – I mean, they're playing in the West, but it's all back-ended. You know, it's on the back end of their schedule. So, um, no one across the country is trading places with Ole Miss and their schedule that they play out of the SEC West each year. But the way they start, I felt uh, – But why they've I'm, got a path to 10 wins that's pretty easy. Yeah, well, I mean, they've that got we've counted through. So their top it's seven. It's an easy schedule. Their top seven, despite the difficult well, but, built. The uh, but I, built I should also qualify. Like um, playing in the SEC is not easy. We know the top two teams in the SEC, and I brought up a topic a couple weeks ago. Like we, we need Ole Miss to be consistent. We need Tennessee back and Florida back. You've got to have South Carolina or Missouri take a big step forward and be consistent as the next player in the East. Because, you'd like Kentucky to be there, yeah, too. Yeah, you've, you've got to have more consistency there because right now we know the top. And it's and to be fair, I mean, I'm nitpicking with Ole Miss. They finished second in their division. There are teams that would love to be Ole Miss in the SEC. Oh, sure. You know, like it's a it, – it's not an easy schedule when you're playing in the SEC West, but the way they start is much more beneficial than what I would have guessed based on just how it all fell.
out of, out of sheer luck um, this year compared to other years for them. You know, last year it was uh, Kentucky was unbeaten, I believe. Yeah, they were unbeaten when, when they went to Athens and played Georgia. But they, Five and zero or six and zero. Yeah, but they were way different teams, right? Uh, they were unbeaten at the at the end of the day. I, that's how I don't know how to measure Ole Miss. What type of team are we going to see? Because there's so many unknowns with what Kiffin has done this offseason through the portal. Coming up, we'll wrap up uh, our day on Radio Row uh, with Glenn and Trey, who've done great work for us. We'll give you the headlines that we'll be watching for coming up tomorrow from Atlanta. We'll also preview tonight's Home Run Derby and give you our picks next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Been a fast-paced show today, Monday edition, Outkick 360, day one of our coverage from SEC Media Days in Atlanta. Appreciate all the guests, hard work from Trey and Glenn and uh, Davey, uh, boots on the ground behind the scenes for us there. Paul, we uh, we need a winner tonight in the Home Run Derby. The price just isn't all that great on Pete Alonzo. He's won the last two. He's the favorite. But if we're not picking the favorite, Kyle Schwarber is the... Next most likely, according to FanDuel, you can get him at plus 350 on the odds. Uh, Soto and Rodriguez are neck and neck after that, followed by Acuna, Seeger, and Pujols is plus 2,400. I took uh, Rodriguez, plus 750. It's a nice payout, and he's fourth of the, what is it, eight? Eight, yeah. Bracket challenge. But I don't have much faith. That's just a flyer so that I could see my five bucks turn into something pretty. Yeah. You? you? Bet, bet five to win 10 on Alonzo. But again, it's just not worth it. <laughs> it yeah, it takes the fun bet. out of it. I, I would like to see uh, like an Acuna or uh, uh, Pujols be. I mean, Pujols would be a fantastic. If Acuna story. upsets, uh, you know, is able to upset Alonzo right out of the shoot because they're matched up. Uh, Pujols would be fantastic. How does it? How does that park set up in L.A.? I don't have a clear enough feel for it. Soto would be interesting yeah. too, coming off of the uh, coming off of yeah. the uh, contract talks and how the Nationals are openly discussing possibly trading him. Yeah, if he went out there and bashed it. Yeah, just crushed it. I don't. I don't. I can't see him turning down more money than Judge. Significantly more money than Judge turned down. Well, there, there I mean, some are of the opinion that he is, uh, he's only he's like 23 or 24. He's young. He's young. And some are of the opinion that he can earn 50 to 55 million a year on the open market. And if you're doing the math on the years that they were offered, it was 15 years, I think, is what they, 14 or 15 yeah. years. For, they, he could be upwards of 600 million, not 410. Which just blows my mind. Well, go get them. I know the Cubs and the Giants have been teams that have been put out there for Judge. So 
go ahead out there and get Soto instead. And leave Judge alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, but but if if people believe he's going to get that, what does Judge? What what type of money per year would Judge be demanding? If Soto, who people couldn't pick out of a lineup, let's be honest, um, the average fan, I'm saying, I couldn't. If like if if Aaron Judge came up and said, you know, Juan Soto's getting this, so here's what I'm demanding. You better hope that the Yankees are able to get him get something done with him before Soto is dealt and signed somewhere. Yankees, by the way, drafted 25th last night. Spencer Jones out of Vanderbilt, who happens to be 6'7". There are not many successful 6'7 players, but the Yankees have a very successful 6'7 player, and so they've decided to take another crack at it. But I yeah. think... Uh, I, I was reading The Athletic, and The Athletic, I think, and you, and you know how much I like how much is written about baseball product, prospects. They had him ranked like 72nd. The Yankees decided he was 25th. Andrew Jones had a kid drafted last night. Yep. From the that Drew Jones. You mentioned Jones, and it made me think of the Jones. Like, well, the top pick was a kid of a Holiday. relatively modern player also. Yeah, you told me last night we were filming something for a local uh, television station. Uh, News Channel Five here um, that uh, they the Orioles took Holiday Son. Orioles cool. are resurgent, dude. They're they're like five hundred, if not, they're a game below. I think they're right at five hundred because they lost. Hey, yesterday. At least it's something. Yeah, they're much better than what I expected they would be. I mean, they're actually in wild card contention at the All Star break, which is something remarkable. You haven't been able to say no. since you've been a fan. No, I haven't been able to say it. Well, I, I've been able to say it for the first, the very first year. Um, when they were actually competitive. How long have you been a fan? Five, six uh, years? Six years. Six years. Hutton put out, uh, you know, emailed every team outside of the big bad boys and yeah. uh, said, buy my fandom. Well, every every team except for the Yankees and the Braves. Because Chad and I had I wrote been. a letter to all all uh, 28 other teams, and I said, hey, I'm a, I'm a free agent fan. And I explained, like, I'm in studio with a Yankees fan and a Braves fan, so I'm not – but tell me why I should be a fan of the team. Eight teams got back to me. The Rays, Diamondbacks, and Orioles were the finalists, and the Orioles by far swept them off his feet. By far were the best, and then they traded all the talent and all the merch that they gave me. He's got a lot of merch. They now play for other teams. Back at it tomorrow. Uh, Aaron Murray is on the show. Looking forward to chatting with the former Georgia quarterback, and we'll talk Alabama football. They'll be on full display tomorrow morning. You can read it and you can hear it. Don't block the box. Be sure to lock the lock.